If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. At participating McDonald's. Everyone deserves a chance in the driver's seat. For GM and Revolt, that means leading the way on the road to an all-electric future and envisioning a world with zero crashes, zero tailpipe emissions, and zero congestion. GM's committed to making EVs accessible for everybody. That means you too. So what are you waiting for? GM's got the keys. You grab the wheel. Learn more about an all-electric future and the 000 initiative at GM.com. GM, everybody in. What's up, y'all? It's your boy David with Blackwell Renaissance. And I'm here today to tell you guys about Anchor. If you haven't heard of Anchor, it's the best place to make a podcast. Anchor is a free app that has creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast straight from your phone. Anchor also distributes your podcast across all major platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and many others. You can also make money on your podcast with Anchor with no minimum listenership. Anchor is everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So if you're looking to get started on your own podcast, download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm. What's up, guys? Welcome to the Black Wealth Renaissance Podcast. Our goal of this podcast is to normalize black wealth and share helpful resources and tips we believe will be useful in attaining and maintaining generational wealth. Please feel free to rate and comment on our podcast. We would love to hear all feedback you have. Now, enjoy the show. Welcome, guys, to another special episode of the Black Wealth Renaissance Podcast. It's half of the BWR right now. The other members are coming in. This is me, Kelly Rhodes, checking in. What's up, what up, what up? It's your boy Jared checking in with y'all. How y'all doing today, man? Man, tired, man. Got, got a lot of grinding going on, man, but it's all good. We got a very, very special guest. I'm going to let you yeah. introduce him, Jared. Man, got a really special guest because I've been following dude for a minute on Twitter. Uh, he's a fan of us, but I am personally a major fan of him and his tweets uh, and the way he gets the people riled up. <laughs> Uh, we have an entrepreneur here who, correct me if I'm wrong, but is a soap dealer, also does trading in stocks with options and regular hopes and all of the other things that we're going to learn about what he does today. Can you introduce yourself to the people, Mr. Dodos? Yo, 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 yo. We're shaking, beloved. This uh, President Hotep Dudes, a.k.a. Dodos, a.k.a. A.R. Morton. Um, yes, absolutely. Everything you said was correct. Um, and I'm just happy to be here. As far as um, being fans of each other, uh, we was talking a little bit before the show, and that's that's the just being organic about it. Like everybody is in their respective lanes doing their thing. And yeah, you know, I've I've been trained in the schools of uh, Hotep Jesus to get the people riled up. You feel me? So <laughs> I've been trained very well, classically trained, and and uh, we call it uh, what do we call it? we call it, like tasteful trolling? You feel me? <laughs> we get you people to think. We get people to think um, by saying you know, certain controversial things, but it's all rooted in wanting to help and, and make sure people are actually developing themselves. It's just that um, sometimes you got to just give them 
a little bit more spice than 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 right, you, right. you feel me. So I'm just super happy to be here, man. Thank you for having me. Definitely, definitely. And I understand where you're coming from as far as like giving them the spice, because to a certain extent, I don't know what it is about people in general. I think specifically our folks a little bit more even. Like we like I, for for lack of a better phrase, and y'all know we come wrong with it, to be talked too crazy. Like <laughs> you know, if we don't if somebody don't say it a little while, then we not gonna pay attention. You know, somebody man, yo. And this is why I be trying to tell people, because, all right, so I'm glad that you said that, bro, because I know I'm not crazy. Like, I know I'm not crazy, but I'm glad you said that. And this is for a couple of reasons. One, I was struggling with this. And we can go through the timeline as far as how all of this happened, as far as, you know, everybody getting woke in late 2013, early 2014, things of that nature. So we know about the timeline, the Trayvon Martins, the Fergusons, and all of that. And in the beginning, I'm not going to lie, I was like, you know, all we got to do is this, guys. Because I'm, you know, I'm researching Claude Anderson. I'm researching 7 a.m., a documentary that I watched back in the day that taught me about the black dollar. I'm researching, you know, all of the, you know, people. Like, even back in the day, like Brother Polite and all these people like Sarnetta TV and all of these black empowerment channels that were focusing on economics a lot of the time. You know, I was like, okay, I just learned this information. Let me go ahead. Like, maybe, because I was kind of, I ain't going to lie, I was a level of narcissism there, too. Like, all right. Clearly, nobody else knows all of this. So let me be the one to be, you know, to tell them about <laughs> economics and all that. So it, maybe it's just that they didn't meet me yet. So let me, so that's what I was looking at it as. So I came on a timeline on Twitter, 2013, 2014, 2015, like, hey, guys, all we need to do is this. If we work together and do it this way and unite and take care of each other and all of that crickets nobody gave a damn mm -hmm. but the minute i said you broke ass niggas and <laughs> and so you get up off your fat ass to get some work done niggas like whoa 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 what you mean and so you got to cause a little friction to get people going you feel me and mm -hmm. it comes from that's why that's where we come from we come from joking on each other cracking jokes we come from you know keeping it real like fam that outfit is trash yo your breath stink we come from that so to be like Oh, bro, you know, if you just put on a different shirt and put on a different pair of pants, or, yo, bro, I'm going to just slide you this gum. Like, that's cool. You feel me? He might take it, he might not. But if you let him know the severity of the situation, like, bro, we about to be in front of the girls and your breath stink. We about to go to this party and your outfit is trash. Like, you need to know the gravity of the situation because if you don't, you're going to play with it. You're going to half chew. You're going to half get dripped. You know what I'm saying? So we need to understand the full ramifications of, uh, behavioral economics, our group economics, like that, that's important because if not, we'll keep seeing the GoFundMe's. We'll keep seeing the gentrification happening uh, to us instead of what, you know, we, you know, taking part of the gentrification. So you need the spice, man. You need, we, that's the whole point. I thought that was the whole joke that, you know, black people, we actually eat spicy foods. We actually eat seasoned food. I put seasoning on my balls. That's all. <laughs> hey, I like that putting seasoning on the bars. I like that. <laughs> but people need it, you know, because it's like folks don't don't respond without it, and and it's it's you know it's time told without you know throughout social media that folks you know they don't respond the same way. But I definitely I, I wanted to ask. So before so before you start coming crazy at people, <laughs> I know one thing that you have to be able to do, especially when you're talking about on Twitter is be able to defend your point and defend what you're talking about. So how right. did you go out the point? So, all right, so this is this yeah. is the key to never looking like an ass on Twitter. And a lot of people don't do this. 
For real. Whenever I got a hot take, whenever I got something that I believe may get shit shaking or I believe may be a little controversial, I argue with myself first. I fact check myself first. I'll be like, hold on, hold on. How? No. If I say, you know, something, for, for instance, if, if black Americans, because we talking, we, we talking black welfare, if black Americans uh, ate better or spent their money this way or did it that way, I got to argue against that. Like, hold on, bro. What about X, Y, Z? What about uh, accessibility? What about all of these things? And then I argue those points. So whenever these people come at me in my mentions, I'm, I'm already war ready. And another thing that I do, well, this is the same, it's in the same lane uh, as fact checking. I Google everything that I talk about. You know, when I, when I talk, to, when I say, oh, quote unquote, food deserts, I looked it up first. The top city, that, the top number one food desert, I don't know if y'all know, is New York City. You know what I'm saying? You gonna tell? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I had the same face, bro. So when when I was talking about the food and all of that, if ranked in America, period, no other place in this country, according to Google, according to I forgot what website it was. I think it's called Ranker or something like that. New York City is the number one food desert. Now that don't sound like it makes any sense to you and I, and they're basing that off of accessibility. The fact that you may have to take a train or two to get to the spot. But we all know I'm from New York. I'm not from New York City, but I'm from New York. You can't tell me that it's not fruits and vegetables in New York. You just can't. So this is what we're dealing with. I argue with myself first. So that way, anytime I get that argument, I'm already prepared for it. A lot of people, they just jump out the gym, jump out of the window with a point that they have. Don't fact check themselves. They don't argue with themselves. So then you get people like me that cooks them. Two tweets in. We <laughs> You can't. You're not built for this. So a lot of people have to start fact-checking themselves. Argue with yourself before you get on the timeline and start arguing. That is how I've become – that's how I grew my following the way I did is because when you got the sideline people, like, that's looking like, okay, don't said that hot take shit. Let's see how – you know what I'm saying? Let's see how it goes. <laughs> and then they see me defending my points based upon screenshots that I got. I already had them prepared. Like, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Things of that nature. So when it's like – should I keep following though, or should I keep listening to what this nigga got to say? Oh, he got the facts. He wrote mm -hmm. a whole book. He did this. He did that. He lived it. So when they see that, it validates my boss. It, so they don't have to be weary on like, damn, is this nigga though really solid? Is he is he really talking that talk, or is he just you know saying some bullshit? They look at the same screenshots. They go to the same links. They they go to my same sources, and they're like, okay, this checks out. Right. So that right. that's the key to making sure that you're not an ass on Twitter. I think that's huge, man, because a lot of people don't go Google before they start tweeting now and they just start talking about things. They start talking about their opinions. They don't ever fact check anything. When something happens to your kitchen, you might say, this is ludicrous. But that won't fix your home. That will only get you the rapper, Ludicrous. Having trouble? Don't panic. Don't be alarmed. You need to file a claim? Holla at State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. That's right. You can file a claim on the app or call us. Thanks, Mr. Chris. No matter how ludicrous the situation, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm, Bloomington, Illinois. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it's funny, man. It's funny that it, it's become that. You know what I'm saying? It's become such a reactionary time where facts don't really matter. I remember back in the early days of Black Twitter, like back in 2009, 2010, that era, where mm -hmm. it was a thing where we did fake retweets on each other. Like, 
you know, uh, this is back when the F word was actually cool to say. Oh, well, I can say the word. This is the word faggot was actually cool to say on the timeline. Shut up, that shit. Y'all own this. So uh, um, we used to fake retweet each other. And one of the mantras back then was jokes greater sign facts. So it made more sense just to say something outlandish instead, you know, instead of actually making a joke that maybe was true or whatever. So that translated into real life issues. Like people weren't, people were just speaking from the heart or speaking from their emotions and not, you know, fact checking. Like the fact that you're going to tell me that Trump is a white supremacist and all of that other stuff where he's, you know, whether, however you feel about the guy, he actually openly disavowed white supremacy. He just said the other night that black Americans built this country. So you have to, we're dealing with the facts that you don't got to love the guy, but you have to deal in the space of reality and facts because if not, you're going to be lost out here, man. Very true. I ain't ready to hear that one. They, they not. They ain't ready to hear that. Especially not about that man, Trump. They not ready to hear that. Oh, we going to get into all of the controversial shit. I ain't come here to play. Like, <laughs> I ain't come here. If you think the tweets is bad, nigga, have a conversation with me. Let's get I'm already knowing because I seen and then another thing I just really before we deep dive into the rest of it I had just really wanted to point out because I saw it today and it had me weak y'all it was this woman who kept on going back and forth with Doe and he knew what he was talking about like she just wasn't making any logical points and my guy was just like then starve Meredith then starve <laughs> can't find food then starve Meredith <laughs> I'm giving you all the resources and yo. And it's so crazy. That's what, okay, this is what you got to do when you become a source. Not the source. I won't, I won't call myself the source, but when you become a source, I'm a father. I'm a husband. So I'm used to that behavior towards me. You know what I'm saying? A bill need to be paid. Ain't nobody trying to negotiate with me. Yo, this got to be paid. If I got to buy sneakers, like they come, that's what, they, that's what I'm here for. I'm the provider. So it's that role of masculinity taking over there where they look, you know, Meredith was a young black woman that lives in Chicago. And because I'm coming from a stance of authority on food, like here are the resources that I have. I'm giving you resources. Instead of taking the initiative with all of the information I just gave, she jumped into the, like, give me more. I need, okay, I need, okay. I know you just gave me 10 or seven different places that I could go to and things like that. And then try to work it out on my own. This specific list didn't help me. So what do you have specifically for me? And I'm like, yo, Meredith, like, I'm sorry. We're not married. You're not my child. I don't, I don't have the time. Like, you need to start using some context clues. You need to start taking initiative. You need to start being proactive. If you are literally in a space where you are not, you don't have any access to fruits and vegetables, and I find that very hard to believe in Chicago, but if you are in that position, you need to start making some moves, baby. I can't, I'm not in Chicago. I can't help you. You feel me? I can't do it like that. And that's where, if you saw that whole refrigerator thing with my food and all of that, that's where you saw. People were demanding more from the pictures. Where's the itemized list? Show me the itemized list. You know, how much did you pay per produce? They, they wanted more from me instead of taking what they did see from me and expanding on it. And that was one of the things that I said on my live uh, yesterday was that, okay, I'll just say the whole thing again. You've seen somebody post a page of a book uh, on the timeline, and then the, the stuff on the page is super profound, and maybe the poster didn't put the name of the book in the tweet. So instead of me bugging and bothering that person, wasting thread space, asking them the name of the book, I take initiative, I'm proactive, I look at the header of the page, and then if the title of the chapter is in the, um, 
and at the top of the page, I'll just Google the chapter name. Once I Google the chapter name, boom, the book name is there. I can order it, download the PDF, cause duh, and then, and then I could take it from there instead of sitting there typing, hey, how did you, uh, you know, what's the name of this book? And then having to wait for them to respond. I took the initiative, I was proactive, and I did it myself. So now I got, you know, uh, I take that and I multiply that by everything. It doesn't take much to inspire me. It doesn't take much to motivate me. You can give me a grain of information. If I'm digging the information, I'm going to take it to the next level. You feel me? So that's what it is. Y'all definitely even... I tweeted something about that earlier. You did that with me with options. Like you don't even talk about it all the time, but you just you tweeted little game and stuff about about trading options and stuff like that. And I was like, man, what what are you talking about? You know what I'm saying? Now I'm reading a book about it, and I'm really really interested in this option stuff. But it all started just from like you 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 only got to give a little bit of inspiration. From there, it's your job as the consumer or as the person who don't have what they have to go figure out the rest of the information. Facts, and that's the whole thing. If you talk and if you're comparing the resources of today versus back in the day, our ancestors didn't have no goddamn Google. They didn't right. have the internet in their pocket, and they created entire towns. They observed, right. like you mm -hmm. have to understand, they had to create refineries. They had to create entire uh, infrastructure in order for them to build this town. If they've never seen a town built before, or if they've never had a manual on how to do it, they had to get it from trial and error. You feel yeah. me? They had to really learn and build from scratch. So now you fast forward 100 years where you have billions of pages on one website, not even throughout the entire uh, World Wide Web, just on this one website that gives you endless resources. I don't understand why you're not taking that same initiative, that you're not spending your idle hours while you're sitting in bed before you pass out and go to sleep because you have a terrible sleep pattern and all that other stuff. You're not using your spare time to build yourself up, you feel right. me? And then it gets into a space now the way your unsuccess becomes resentment. And then right. when I'm telling you what it means to be successful, you call it cliche, you say that don't work, and this is that and all of that, when I literally did what you did. I did, you know what I'm saying, what you just told me that you did. Somebody tweeted about options. I think it was more than likely Carl, the civil right who runs and owns Options Gang. I seen him. I gave a little tidbit, you know what I'm saying? A little screenshot yeah. here and there, a little something here. And then I took the initiative and started looking it up on my own. And then God bless, he created an options gang. So I was able to, you know, get under that umbrella. And now I'm I'm an options trader now. I can do it on my own. If I, I can call my own plays, you know, and all of that. So it's, it's, it's just what you have to do to make sure that you're moving up to the next level, man. That's all. You got to take initiative. I shall be following in those, definitely those very same footsteps very soon. <laughs> but, <laughs> oh man, yo, when you come through, oh my God, son. Oh, hey. I always tell people, if you're going to join, join right before the Monday, right before the week starts, you feel me? And yeah. I tell them like, yo, when you join, have a few hundred to play with, you feel me? Don't act, you know, don't expect to lose at all, but definitely prepare for, you know, some down days and stuff like that. You know, not everyone is a home run, but man, when I tell you that the calls that are being coming, that the plays that are coming out of Options Gang, man, you're not getting better plays than this in other places. Call the way he researches these stocks and the fact that he creates an environment to have other people do the same level of research. Mm -hmm. Oh, man, you got a dozen people now doing the same type of research Carl is doing. And Carl is calling crazy plays. So mm -hmm. now it only multiplies. And I've, I've gotten... Uh, a few people on to option gang, at least five, six people that are now actively making 
three, four figures off of options trading. You feel me? And that's just off the referral. So, um, yeah, man, definitely. I can't wait for y'all to come through. The third fucked me up when I seen that he had $300 and he turned it into 15 bands. I man. said, oh, that's who you're talking uh, about, bro? I know man, you're talking hold about. Hold on, hold on. Run it back. I yeah, man. Yeah, like, yo, son, I started in April with 100, turned it into five bands in two months. Uh, <laughs> options, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. Reverse and let's let's go into our sock options. <laughs> we still gotta cover the man does socks, guys. The man does soap. Oh, so we still gotta cover good. all of this. <laughs> yeah, man. What what's oh, good? Yeah, oh, yeah, we kind we kind of joined in late too, man. J- David and Jalen hopping on. Yo yo, what's good? What's good? What's, what's good, good though, man? See like y'all are talking that talk. I like to hear. Yeah, I mean, listen, man, y'all didn't, y'all, y'all got me super comfortable in here. My wife downstairs cooking some fire dinner right now. I'm in, I'm in good vibes right now. It's very great vibes right now. So, um, I'll tell you about um the options journey that I had, man. Um, I've been following Carl for some years now. I actually met him through his his old program. Well, he was a part of an old program called the Great Vine. Um, he had suggested me to represent Hotep to go on that show. Um, they tore me apart. <laughs> just like they did um, Candace Owens at the summit, but it's all good. I didn't mess up like she did. She totally fumbled the bag. I didn't. I, st- I made my points. They like, attacked me, and then they looked like crazy people on the internet to people with common sense. After that, me and him, we smoked a spliff after the, <laughs> after the recording, and then he, we were just chopping it up, and we was, you know, homies ever since. Uh, fast forward to 2018, and I believe he's been doing the option trading because I Yo, like I said, he's like the oracle when it comes to this stuff. So he was giving out free plays on the timeline back then. Mm-hmm. Like, yo, y'all mm-hmm. should look into such and such. I think it's going to hit this and then hit that. So I was just quietly just like, all right. <laughs> just getting my little plays in here. I made me a little Nike money. I made, I made me a couple uh, uh, AMD money, uh, Micron money, uh, and stuff like that. These, these are companies or whatever. Uh, and I was up, you know what I'm saying? And, and the way options working, because I was new and I wasn't really doing my own due diligence, I was at the whim of his place. So if, if I stayed too long or if I just didn't do my own due diligence, I lost some cheese here, lost some cheese there. So I got back to about $500 profit. And that was with me just playing with it. Fast forward to um, April, I believe, yeah, April 2019. Um, he creates Options Gang now. Like, because after this time, this is, you know, months of him giving out free game, people hitting him up like, yo, I made 300 off of this, I made 500 So, of course, people like me and, and, and his homie, like, Doug and all of that, we like, yo, though, you need to, like, monetize this. Like, <laughs> like so, of course, boom, here comes options game. Um, I joined, and um, the first, I say the first three plays, like, he wasn't expecting these games. Like, that's how crazy the games was. So, I'm coming in with $100. I G up. I'm up $600 after, like, day three. You feel me? So, boom, me being the guy that I am, boom, I take the 300 or whatever, you know, hold that, put that to the side, put the other three up, and um, I G'd up on that. And I'm up, like, 800 on that. Boom, I kept that in there. And, yo, by, so that's May, so by, like, the middle of May, like, almost to the end of May, my account was sitting on, like, 25 to 3 thousand you know what i'm saying and i like again i started with a hundred so it's like it blew my mind fam and then it was twitter that took me to five bins 
It was Twitter that took me to five bands. I had put that the option that the contracts were so cheap at the time and the, the expectation or the target price was so sweet. It, it oh man, like it was <laughs> the games was crazy. I'm sorry. I got a little choked up because I remember that that was one of my best plays to see the numbers 2,600 and something games on top of what you put up. It was like, yo, I'm never going to like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I'm never going to go back to being a broke boy ever again. And I was making pretty good cheese last year. Like I made, I cleared six figures in 2018 for the first time. You feel me? So it wasn't like I was a broke boy anyway. So when it came to that, I'm like, oh, yeah, this is where it's at. And ever since then, man, we've been rocking. Of course, I lost some cheese, won it back, lost it, you know, it's stuff like that. It's just that you got to just cash out every week. That's what I do now. You know, I start Monday, do my trades, and then whatever I have is profit on Friday. I transfer out. It's in my actual bank account by Monday or Tuesday morning. And then, I, you know, I just keep playing like that. You never, you know, I don't have to worry about playing with house money, man. And so options gang, man. Yeah, shout out to Carl, man. That's why I recommended him for this podcast. I would love to have y'all talk to him, man, because he can actually break down, like, the whole process of how he got in the options game. Man, I'm just one of the members, you feel me? I'm just gangbanging. We're going to have to get him on, too. Like, he was another person that I followed on Twitter that was just, like, again, looking up to y'all, like, man, these dudes making these crazy plays. And, like, I know what you're talking about with him making the free plays. And I, I was happy monetizing. You know what I'm saying? Like I said, I'm about to. Save me up a little bread and go ahead and hop in options game myself. Facts, but, <laughs> man, facts. With the rest of the guys in tow and uh, everything else, we, we done covered a lot of ground. But also now we want to get into the entrepreneurship and the development of dope. So with that being said, can you start or explain to the people what helped you get to the mentality that you are now? And then what was the first venture that you went into? Because I know you got socks and soap. Yeah, yeah. So, um, like I said, uh, going back to the timeline, it's a nice little refresher. We were talking about, you know, the uprising of social justice and things of that nature and being more uh, aware of what's going on, like the injustices and things like that. And um, while everybody was scrambling to find out who to blame or where the problem is and all of that, I was more focused on solutions. And what it brought me to was um, an Afrocentric YouTube channel called Sidenetta TV. I don't know if you ever heard of it. Um, and yeah, Sidenetta TV is a dude based out of Harlem. And um, I don't know if y'all know anything about Harlem, but this is a block in Harlem called 125th Street. Mm-hmm. And um, this is a very historic block. These, this is where black men and women go out there with their microphones and start preaching, you know, black history that wasn't taught in public schools and things of that nature. And they, they go against the grain of what the contemporary history book tell you. They tell you, you know, how black people, how this entire earth was populated by black people. They tell you that Native Americans, as you know, it looks just like you, bro. Native Americans look like me and you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Native Americans look like Biggie Smalls, fam. And I, I, I yeah, exactly. So, you know, we get the image of, you know, the, the Native Americans that we have now, but Native Americans, I'm talking about in real life, before white men got to America, looked like you and I. And that's one of the major things that um, that Ali and, you know, Hotep was talking about not too long ago when he went on Joe Rogan, when he was saying that we were here but way before the white man got here. And it would only make sense that instead of importing a bunch of black people that look like us from Africa, they would just enslave 
the black people that look like us that's already here. It would only make sense economically. It would only make sense economically for you to do that. Instead of risking losing half of your stock, you can, you can relate this to any, anything, any commodity that you're using, whether it be food, plants, humans, livestock, whatever it is, you're going to lose 50% of your haul trying to boat it all the way from Africa to North America when you literally have the same type of people who have the same bloodlines and, and similar bloodlines and, and lineages as that continent right here in your own backyard. So it was that. Like, I was learning all of this stuff. This stuff took me out of the fuck whitey, white supremacy is ruling the world. It took me out of that, ironically, because, you know, a lot of that stuff, they do tell you that, you know, it's the white man this and white man that. You just got to be able to parcel it out. But it empowered me to let me know that I am in control of myself. I am in control of my destiny. I am in control of the solutions that I put out. And as long as I'm living and as long as that people are willing to listen to me, this is the message that I'm going to be pushing out. And I started getting hip to, you know, this is back in the early days, you know, Umar Johnson, Brother Polite, Boyce Watkins, Claude Anderson. Then I got with, of course, Hotep Jesus, my man Ali. All of these people, all of these men and women in my circumference empowered me to be like, okay, not only do I have the power to make change in my life, it's all rooted in economics. It's all rooted in money, mm. politics. You know, we hate the way, you know, the way of, you know, conservatives talk about uh, the black community. You know, white conservatives, black conservatives, they say, oh, the Democrats ruined the black community. And they're not wrong. However, the solution to that isn't, I'm not going to lie, the solution to that is as much as my conservative followings love me and I rock with them, the solution isn't to be conservative or vote conservative. The solution is to take our money take our ideas, take our issues, and take our solutions and then present them to any local politician, local, emphasis on local politician to make a change. So I don't give a damn if you're a Democrat. I don't care if you're independent. I don't care if you're a Republican. If I send you my agenda, if I hand you my agenda, and I have these things on the agenda, if you're willing to fulfill those needs for my community, you get my vote. We don't have, you know, they taught me not to have a party affiliation. As a matter of fact, my man Carl bringing him up again, when we went out to the, the black conservative event last year, we met Trump and, you know, we was in the White House and all of that. He, he actually hijacked the uh, impromptu speech and he took that bullhorn and he said, you, I'm, I'm not delusional thinking that Trump is going to make some black utopia. However, because of his presidency, he's creating an environment for people like Dodus, people like the men of black wealth renaissance to build wealth, opportunity zones, the tax breaks that we get, we're able to, you know, create trust and pass things down to our family. And, you know, all of these wealth building things, and of course, trusts are not a part of, you know, trust didn't come from Trump's administration. Yeah. I'm just saying, like all of these things now, we're not affiliating or just siding with one political party over the other because that hasn't been advantageous for us for a very long time. So when the conservatives are saying that black people have been voting you know, unanimously pretty much for Democrats for the past however many decades, they're right. But the thing that we need to do is, it's not about blue and red, it's about green. It's about black. Honestly, we're talking about roads, infrastructure, and things like that. We need people in office that are going to do what we need them to do. And the great thing about what the black agenda is about, because we're such a loving, understanding, and, and prosperous people, Everybody loves McDonald's fries. 
So yes, you accused your mom of stealing some of your fries on the way home. Um, but the bag did feel a little light. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Like our agenda is going to be at the, you know, expense of another community. So when we're asking or demanding rather these other politicians to focus more on black America, we're going to spread the wealth because now we have infrastructure. Now we have businesses. Now we own properties. Now we run, uh, you know, our own communities. We're going to take care of each other. We're going to take care of our customers that come from out, out of town or other communities and things like that. We're not going to discriminate against them. We're not going to follow them around the store. We're not going to, you know, do any of those things. So when we're talking about, that's just one issue. That's politics. You want to talk about, you know, families, breaking up families. Uh, the biggest issue that people get divorced over now is money. You feel me? So it's like when you're looking at it, it's not about being shallow. It's about being smart about it. People literally live different lives when they have money versus when they don't. So when we're focusing on the economics of the situation, we are focusing on the well-being of the entire sphere of the Black American empowerment. So that's why everything is, you know, is, is more focused and centralized around economics. And that's 2015. Um, and I took all of that information, applied it, and then I wrote a book. And that was Black American Inc. I dropped that in um, 2016. It's about 500 pages just telling, detailing every industry that I could in my mind from manufacturing to science to entertainment, sports, uh, politics, you name it. It's in that book. It's a bunch of stuff that teaches what we can do with the buying power that's purported that Black Americans have. Now, there's a... a a professor out there, I forgot his name, but he created this uh, study, quote unquote, uh, that talked about the racial wealth gap. I don't know if you ever heard of that. Mm-hmm. Um, he spoke on that and he was basically debunking pretty much all of the thought processes that people like me had. Oh, financial literacy is not going to give you wealthy. Saving money is not going to get you wealthy. Getting a better education is not going to get you wealthy. And this is based upon what white people do with their money. So if white people jump off a bridge, of course... <laughs> we got to jump over bridge. So the fact that, and this is the um, cognitive dissonance that they have a problem with. They want to hold white people up to this super high standard that they're just so perfect and the way they live because they're so much richer than black people, even though they outnumber us seven to one and all this other shit. Uh, well, maybe like six to one, five to one now because their population is dwindling. But when you're looking at the white man, you look at him and say that it's ISIS colder. But the fact of the matter is most white people are poor. So when you're gauging the economic activity, why would you want to compare it to, to a population to where most of the people that are poor? I go to middle America. I go to rural, poor, white areas for business all of the time. And I talk to these people. And they're not doing any better than when I go back to the hood. So why not compare to Nigerians? You know what I'm saying? Why not compare to certain Asian communities? Why not compare to, you know, um, certain ethnic uh, groups that actually are like Russians who are actually 1% of the population, but they have a trillion dollar buying power as well. You see what I'm saying? This nah, is a fact. That's a fact. 1% of the population and they have a trillion dollar bu- uh, spending power. So this is what I'm saying. I'm not comparing my community to white people just because they outnumber us. That's stupid. I'm going to compare us to the best of the best, the creme de la creme. When it comes to wealth building, 
we're talking about the Nigerians. We're talking about the Asians. We're talking about the Jewish communities. We're talking about the Russian communities. We're talking about the communities that insulate themselves and have their own economies. That's what we're talking about. I can't, I can't compare uh, white people and black people because the hood looks just like the trailer park if you're looking right. If you're paying attention, it looks just the same. That's a fact, bro. Like, for real. You see what I'm saying? So economically, I can't be in that whole racial wealth gap. That's stupid. And, the, and that, I'm telling you, this is a professor at Duke. People pay him, okay, to teach them lessons. And he's teaching them, this is why you'll never be as poor as white people. Now, the irony in that is that he is a black professor at Duke. He's doing much better than the white people that he's saying that we can't uh, be better than. So how is it, professor, that you're able to get a college degree? You're able to live in a nice neighborhood. You're able to build wealth. You have a pension. You know about assets. So, I, I mean, if, if five niggas on a podcast got all, got assets, I know you do. So if, all of the, if you can do all of those things, how is it that you're teaching a curriculum that discourages young people that look just like you to do the same damn thing? And this is the problem that I have with this whole race to wealth gap shit. If you read the study, I'll link it. If y'all go to my page, I've debated him personally on Twitter. And I, I cooked him. I cooked him. A professor of Duke. A fr- I'm a nigga with a GD. Okay? <laughs> I cooked him on the timeline. The likes have it. The retweets have it. Whoever gets the most wins. Period. That's how it goes on timeline B. If you out like me, if you out retweet me, I lost. I just got to move on. You feel me? You are a professor at Duke and I cooked you on your own curriculum. Because if you read the study, it just says this won't work. That won't work. This won't work. That won't work. And why won't it work? Because it's not going to compare to white people. I don't give a good goddamn about if it don't if it don't match up with white people. I want to get rich. You feel me? Hey. So boom. Now that's 2017. Damn. <laughs> so this is as you can see, I'm getting all of this economic knowledge, and I'm I'm doing all of the things that I'm supposed to do. And I'm losing friends left and right, of course, because everybody wants me to hate police and hate white people. And I'm telling them now nah, we need to focus on the bag. I thought this, and this is just shit that bugs me out. Because I'm like, yo, when did we become pussy? Like, I don't understand. Like, when did we become soft? You feel me? Like, I don't understand when we were afraid hey, of police. Talk that, that shit. Talk that shit. You feel me? Like, I don't remember. When I was active in the street, and I had crack in my jaw, and I had crack in my, my jeans, and I had a gun in my pocket. I wasn't afraid of the police. I hated them. It's a mm. difference. I wasn't worried about getting shot. I wasn't wor- So if I'm active in the street committing crime with my other guys who are committing crime, we're the ones that are in direct violation or in direct resistance of the police, and yeah. we're not scared. So how is it that you're square ass, and you work at Quicken Loans, and you're going to tell me that you you scared of being gunned down by the police? No. You have been, your brain has been programmed by mm-hmm. watching these clips upon clips of police across the country killing random black people. And a lot of these towns that they don't tell y'all, it'd be majority white. So the news in that area, it goes viral. And they shove these videos in your face. I remember from 2014 up until this day, every summer, every week, there was a new dead man on my yep. timeline. Bro. There was a, they, they kept it to make sure that y'all stayed in fear. And I was the one that was being called a coon and being insensitive. You were asshole because I wasn't falling victim to the, the uh, heartstrings that they were trying to pull. No, I got to get back to it because there was no talks of white supremacy when I had to hug my man's mother after her son got killed. There was no, ma'am, I understand that. We know who did it. We understand 
that he killed your son over money and all this other stuff. But we got to blame the white man and the system that created that man to want to kill your son. She don't want to hear about that. She don't give a good goddamn about the system that created the shit that made her son die on the street. She don't care about the system. She wants justice for her son. She wants son to be to her family to be safe. She don't care about that. And that's what I learned. That's what I noticed that it was a bunch of people, a bunch of black people that was coming from the burbs speaking on shit that go on where I live. You feel mm-hmm. what I'm saying? And that's the problem. We had a bunch of people who don't come from these neighborhoods, who live in these nice suburban neighborhoods, speak on poor people, and they don't even come around here to speak to them personally. I remember when I had my podcast in 2015, I went outside and I interviewed the Black Boys. I'm going to revamp the podcast. I went and I literally interviewed drug dealers on the block. I went and interviewed their customers on the block, and they told me they make, they had to, they, they smoke. $1,500 $1,500 worth of crack a week. A week. Yes. A week. They're making $165,000 a year off of smoking crack. You see what I'm saying? Facts. I can go out there. I can show you. I can, I can literally show you everything. I can verify everything. Nah, like, name, I definitely believe you, bro. You feel me? They, they, name, I, I, they, still in my, they still around the corner right now. I, you know what I'm saying? Shiz and Stink. Shout out to them. They clear six figures tax-free every year strictly off the strength of them wanting to get high. You see what I'm saying? But these people that be on the timeline with the blue checks, they don't know that because they don't come out here. They actually gentrify the black neighborhoods that they be complaining about. They come mm-hmm. from these, these nice suburban towns, and then they move to Brooklyn, they move to Philly, they move to all these places that just recently got gentrified, and they don't think that they gentrifying. <laughs> like, they don't think that they causing the same issues when they don't like the loud music, or and I'm not, I'm not even going front. I don't like loud music either. But when they start impeding on the culture that's already going on out there, y'all sitting there telling me that masculinity is toxic when we've been doing nothing but, you know, holding down the community. We've been doing nothing but, you know, if we was gunning each other down and stuff like that, it was in the name of trying to preserve or protect or keep or supply a need. It's just misguided. So when I'm seeing all of this, I'm like, when did we become victims? I remember what we was doing to the police. We was never scared. You feel me? But another thing, if you've noticed, it, it started it started to create this like tension, even more tension between people who literally are God-fearing, law-abiding citizens arguing with the police. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know what you know what your background is, if y'all was ever active, but that's something you never did. If you had, if you was literally committing a crime or you had something on you, or you was doing something illegal, you wanted the cops to leave as fast as possible. Yes. You did not want to sit there and be like, what you stopping me for? Why are you looking at me? It's because I'm black? And none of that. It was none of that. Yeah, Nigga, yeah. you need to get these cops the fuck up out of here. So when I see a man uh-huh. get pulled over with his son in the car, have his son hold the phone and record the cop just so he can argue with the cop on the side of the road, I'm like, you don't understand how dangerous that is. You behind enemy lines. You can't shoot and defend yourself. He has the absolute sanction and jurisdiction to shoot you in front of your son on the side of the road. But you want to play tough because you know that's going to get you likes. That's going to get you retweets. Mm-hmm. You feel me? I'm saying? We don't do that. It was the same thing when it came to Black Lives Matter. That's why I told him, like, in, in pre, uh, uh, before the show started, 50 years from now, they're going to look at Black Lives Matter like it was the civil rights movement, and I'm going to be the rich, grumpy old nigga that's going to be like, no, it wasn't. <laughs> It was not. It was a bunch of clowns that was paid for by a man named George Soros, bought and paid for, to go out and cause disruption in black communities. Period. That's all Black Lives Matter was. 
the most thing that Black Lives Matter ever did was put body cams on cops, which they just gave us front row tickets to the executions that they've been putting out. That's all they did. Still not getting arrested. You feel me? You see what just happened with Geiger. You feel me? So it's like what happens when we dealing with the realities of the situation, you get dope. You get hotep. You get the, the movement. You get car. You get all of the people that's never left the real world in exchange for a blue check notoriety and pimping out your community. Hotep could have been sold out. We could have, yo, we got offers from the same people that these clowns got offers from. We just said no, because we would have to, you know, totally change our narrative, totally change the way we empower our people for a check. And I don't need that. My man trades options. My other man has property. My other guy, he has a, he's a crypto hedge fund manager. I don't need you, you, your white infrastructure or your outside detrimental resources. I can go within my community and make sure that I eat. You feel me? My man, he has a farm. I'm good. So it's like if it ever get down to it, we have to make sure that we are taking care of each other. And it had nothing to do with white people. And that's my thing. My moves are not dictated by white anything at all. My plans to make sure my family, my community, my people, build wealth, have nothing to do with revenge on a white man, making more money than a white man, or none of that. It's just to make sure that we have an entire economy that we can depend on exclusively, solely, and uh, predominantly to make sure that we're forging the future for our people. That was a long answer for it, but pretty much from, from then to now, that's exactly what I've been doing, man. Just preaching the same shit, getting on the same nerves, and changing the same, <laughs> changing the same lives we want to change them, man. Hey, bro, I love it, yeah, man. That, that was a great, like, that was a great answer, for real. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I really like one of the biggest things that I like that you said that I feel like it really resonates with us and our brand is that the solution to all the problems are economic. Yeah. Like that's something that we we really want people to understand is because, bro, at the end of the day, everybody that's getting shit done in Congress is getting done through lobbyists. Who are lobbyists? People that are paid to be talking with the politicians and influence influence uh the decision making influence the decision making process yeah. and right. what laws are being so if we want to get a seat at the table apparently what we have to do is pull some money together pay some people and have them act in our best interest in that way like that's an economic problem that's not a let's go stand up march and tell people hey y'all did us wrong y'all y'all put them in jail this that like why we keep asking for shit yeah Man, we go ahead and do the shit ourselves. Yo, this is what I try to tell people, yo. Your police chief gets elected in, judges get elected in, senators, mayors, governors, city councilmen, aldermen, you you name it. They're all voted in. And sometimes by, yo, by like 300 votes, yeah. 10 votes, 20 votes. They don't take much. I remember this dude on Twitter. He was literally elected. Um, he's, he's actually in Philly. I think he got elected like a judge or something like that. Off of a Twitter campaign, like off of a fluke. He was just joking and he won. You see what I'm saying? This is how little niggas care about local politics. This is what I'm saying. If we started really hitting local politics where it hurts, we can literally run the city. We can run the town. You see what I'm saying? But this is, it, it, you would have to go to the city council meetings. You would have to go to the town hall meetings. You would have to make sure that you're in the forefront. You got to make sure that they know your name. You feel me? And that's what these communities do. They go out there, like you said, they create PACs, you know, political action committees. 
to where they can start donating to that because it's, um, when it comes to politics, um, it's, it's donation limits and stuff like that. So you got to make sure that you, you follow the rules. So if you donate too much to your own campaign, you can be disqualified, stuff like that. So you want to create a PAC, a political action committee, to where your constituents, your supporters, you know, people that not, not even in your state, if they just rock with you, if you got a large online following, like I have, you know, almost 16,000 followers on Twitter, if I was running for anything, I would absolutely leverage my following to invest and donate to my PAC or to a PAC that was created on my behalf. Because that's it's, even in that, that's a rule. Like you can create your own PAC, but it's a limit to that. But if somebody else creates a PAC and advocacy for you, there's higher limits and stuff like that. You got to work through the loopholes. And we smart enough to do that. That's fine. You know what I'm saying? But you get me 10 million in a PAC, I'm in there. Yeah. Ain't nobody beating that. You feel me? And then I'm going to use the rest of that because that, I'm only going to use maybe one or two million to make sure I get my you know, my ads out and stuff like that. And whatever's used or whatever's not used, we, we invest in that in, in the local infrastructure. We getting it right. We're we going to invest it right back. We have to start taking this initiative. We have to start being proactive in this way. And that's the only way we're going to see the real solutions. It's not about Trump versus this random person that's never going to win against him. That's just, let's be honest. And then it's about, yo, who are our local officials that we can literally influence? We can actually motivate and make and demand them to do things. And I had a whole 10 action plan. Like, say like the guy lies or the woman lies. We hold a recall election the next day. We're going to recall this whole shit. Nah, we, we actually reject our vote. They didn't do what we said they was going to do. <laughs> we got them out of there. Or we would just wait until their re-election and not vote for them. But this is the stuff that we need to be doing. It has to be. It has to become popular. It has to become second nature for us to care about our local infrastructure. It has to become second nature to make sure that our local businesses are thriving and employing people because that's what keeps the youngins off the street. You feel me? That's what keeps families together because men are gainfully employed. The women are gainfully employed, living in environments that are not stress-inducing living in environments that you don't have to look over your shoulder mm. based upon low economics. Niggas is out here shooting and killing and robbing because they ain't got no cheese. Mm. That's it. I'm out here. I live out here. I asked this nigga what he shot him for because he took my money. I asked him what you robbing for is because I'm hungry. I asked him what you stealing for is because I needed this. It's economic. Nobody, nobody, like, there's no crack dealer. There's no drug dealer. It's like, yo, I just love selling dope. I would do this shit for free. Like, you think about all of the people that y'all interview on here they say, yo, I would write this book for free or I would teach this stuff for free. Nobody, no drug dealer is doing this for free. So clearly, the motivation behind all of this crime or the big chunk of this crime is money. Right. It's money. It's a few niggas that, that are no longer selling drugs because I put them on the options trading. Mm. It's a few niggas that no longer, you know, commit crime because I, I showed them how to, you know, open up a Shopify store or show them how they can become an affiliate for my business and I can pay them. I've showed niggas, I, you know, I was telling niggas on live yesterday, I personally stopped at least six homicides this year by just being like, yeah, nah, chill, B. You know what I'm saying? Let's go over here. Let's go smoke. Let's go. You know what I'm saying? I do that. So this is what I'm saying. Like, I'm taking full responsibility for my, my ability to make change in my community. Am I Malcolm X? Not Harley, but I run with his spirit. Am I Marcus? Not Harley, but I run with their spirit. You see what I'm saying? And I understand where niggas is coming from. Now, I say all of that to say, <laughs> you can't save everybody. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? 
you can't save everybody. I, you know, I failed in that regard with a couple people where they were just, you know, beyond help. They didn't want to hear from me. I told them time and time again, they just didn't want to hear it. And I just, I mean, we all grown here. I got to let you do your own thing. However, you know what I'm saying? We have to make sure that we are using discernment. <laughs> we are using discernment when we're dealing with the community. There are going to be some bad apples out there. However, those people are going to fall to the wayside because it's going to become less popular to do the nut shit. It's going to be less popular to, to commit crime. Niggas going to be like, yo, you still doing that? Yeah. You feel me? Like, yo, like, yo, son, we out here making all of this cheese off of our phone and you still standing out here in two degree weather in the middle of December trying to get $200 for the day. Like, that's not what we're doing no more. Our market opened at 930. I G up by 10 o'clock. I'm out for the day. I made $1,000 by 10 o'clock in the morning. I'm out. I don't want to do nothing else for the day. I made $1,000 in 30 minutes. Why would I want to go back and commit crime? It doesn't make any sense. See what I'm saying? So once you start showing these young niggas, like, yo, fam, it's money in, in, in doing this. It's money in doing that. I promise you, they'll gravitate towards us more. The reason why we even started selling drugs is because niggas was wearing the freshest clothes, driving in the best cars, and had the flyest chicks. That was it. It wasn't like, yo, I, I, I love the, the chemical breakdown of dope and all this other shit. It wasn't none of that. You have no affinity. We have no affinity for the drug whatsoever. If niggas was selling drywall, I mean, smoking drywall, we were selling drywall. I sold peanut shells. You feel me? When I ain't had no crack to sell. I sold soap. I didn't care. I didn't have no affinity. I didn't have affinity for the drug or the fiends I was serving it to. I just need the cheese. You see what I'm saying? Right. So at the end of the day, that's the psychology behind most drug dealers, man. That's the psychology behind most niggas that's out on the street. It's like, I need to get this mugger. I need to get this cheese. So that's what we doing. We showing them how to get to this cheese without ever having the cop kick down your door, man. That's what we doing. That's what I feel. I support it, bro. Yeah, that's what it's about, bro. Because, like, even, and I, I say even a testament to go to that with, like, current shit that's going on right now, look at how many young people are gravitating towards swiping. How many people are finding out about that and, like, starting to fuck with, like, printing credit cards, trying mm -hmm. to do all the different swiping and different stuff like that. Like, that's, it was a dude who, like, I think he was on Rap Radar or something like that. He wanted the new guys that's coming out rapping, like, that's almost all he talk about is like, yeah. bro, I walked in Walmart, you got a new credit yo, card. Yo, yeah, yeah, yo, son. <laughs> yo, son, I actually made a little joke tweet with his latest music video. You talking about TJ6? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, son. Like, you got Who's this guy? TJX6 or something like that. That's that nigga that said... Uh, if you bought my T-shirt, I robbed you, nigga. You a fool, that nigga. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. click the link. Yeah, yeah. Yes. He got a song called Swipe Lessons. You feel yeah. me? And it's he shot a music video for it. He was literally giving niggas a rundown on how to load up a Bitcoin machine and mm -hmm. transfer that to a, a stolen credit card and transfer that stolen credit card to a Zelle account. And then you mm -hmm. use that Zelle account to send yourself a thousand dollars from that credit yeah. card, and then you throw the old phone away. Yeah. Now, I'm a grown adult. Now, that song is incoherent as hell. As far as songs are concerned, it's shitty, right? But yeah, I, yeah, I don't yeah. know how to swipe, but I learned from that song. You see what I'm saying? If I really wanted to get into it, of course, like I said, if I can learn how to trade options off of one tweet, this nigga gave me a whole one minute and 20 second rundown on what I need to get. I can research it and look it up myself. You see what I'm saying? So mm -hmm. I use it as a joke as far as like, yeah, I was like a little caption, like uh, people were like, you know, please, though, teach me how to build wealth. And I posted the music video as me <laughs> how to build wealth. You see what I'm saying? 
Cause I was, I'm thinking, man, and like we talked on, we talked on some dope stuff. But I really want to get into some of your entrepreneurial ventures because okay. you know, we talked like what led up to what what you got into. But I know you have the sock company. You and your wife, y'all have a skincare company, correct? Correct. Yeah. And I know you have a few more ventures. Could you like get into just which one was your first one, man? <laughs> I um we could we could I right, so because I'm a good person, I like to talk. Y'all pretty much know that now. I started my entrepreneur day started in two thousand and two, two thousand and three. I'm twenty nine. I'll be thirty this year. So I'm literally an AOL baby. Like I was ten years old when AOL this thirty day trials was coming in the mail, dial up internet and all of that. So you fast forward to let's say oh three, oh yeah, oh two, oh three. I'm the only nigga with broadband on the block. I'm the only nigga with a digital camera. I'm the only nigga with a scanner. I'm the only nigga with the printer and all of that on the block. So I used that. So <laughs> I started burning CDs. I was the first thing on my block with a CD burner. And I was selling mixtapes to my classmates. You know what I'm saying? $5 for the, for the album, $10 for the custom mix and all of that. And I was geeing off on then. Um, that turned into me doing heat transfers on T-shirts and, and making T-shirts. Um, and I was selling T-shirts and mixtapes. And then that graduated into me selling drugs. I started selling my man's. Um, I bumped into him on my way to school, I want to say. He had a duffel bag full of cheese. It looked like it was a million dollars. And I asked him, like, where did you get all of that money from? And he was just like, yo, I hustle, nigga. Like, this is this hustle money. So I was like, okay, I'm not going to school today, clearly. <laughs> wow. like, I'm going to see what's going on with this. Then I got into um, the selling drugs or whatever. So that's like my like initial background on entrepreneurship is like as far as, as far as making my own cheese. And then you fast forward, you know, a decade and um my wife, we started um well, she's the brains behind all of that. I'm just the salesman, I'm just the handsome front guy for for Lowland though. She creates all of the the inventory, she knows all of the formulas and the recipes and stuff like that. I'm just the one to get it off. You feel me? And um it started uh, from a Christmas card that I wrote her with Lola and Doe and black letters on the bottom of it and her friends encouraging her to sell her goods online. And then we started the business from there. We locked down the suppliers and stuff like that to be able to, you know, have a good supply chain. And then um, we opened up April 20th, 2015. So on 420, we opened up and we had like, you know, a, a phenomenal first day, like a phenomenal first week and a phenomenal first month. And then a phenomenal first year. And we've become a household name. There are literally people who curse us out if we are out of stock because they literally won't buy soap anywhere else. Like, where the fuck or where the hell is the soaps and stuff like that? Like, that's how it is now. Like, when niggas was wilding over the chicken sandwiches, like, we get those types of emails. You remember? Like, yo, y'all said y'all was going to have it. Where's the, you know what I'm saying? How y'all going to have soap on the website? Y'all ain't got soap. You feel me? So it was that type of stuff. And then, um, for folks really be Father's Day. I can't bathe, nigga. <laughs> <laughs> facts, facts, man. People hit me up. It's like, yo, you, you really want me to go? Like, I remember we didn't restock at time and somebody um had to buy one bar of Dove soap. That's how, like, fast the shit was. I mean, they was like, you forced me to use Dove. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, Father's Day of this year, my wife surprised me with this business like that's she gifted me the whole business dog like it's, that's a woman that's a that's a yeah. queen that's the type of wife you can do we, right yeah, yeah yeah 
we got to give it up to Mrs. Dubes, man. Like, she's the greatest, man. Amen. So, Amen. After I finished crying for five minutes because she bought me an entire business, you know, I, you know, I sucked it up, and then I got straight to work. And um, So Deep Socks had a phenomenal first day, had a phenomenal first month, and now we are getting into um, the second season where it'll be going into, you know, Q4, or we in Q4, but going into Q1 2020 with new designs and things of that nature. And then before you know it, So Deep will be one year old. You know what I mean? So that's that. Like, those are the two. That's the, the main ones. And then my daughter, she started her own cosmetic line called Nella Bella Collection. Um, she's 15. And she runs it on her own. I don't do any selling for her. Outside of when I do podcasts like this and I shout her out, I don't really, I, I don't post it on a timeline like that. And um, and I'm just, fun, like, she's phenomenal. Like, as a father, you know, you go downstairs to get your, you know, your cold water or whatever, and then you see your daughter up taking product photos and putting products together at 11 o'clock at night. And it's like, yeah, you yeah. Pass, it's way past your bedtime, but I'm not about to knock. Like, I'm not about to tell yeah, you to go like, to bed. You out here yeah. really getting it. Like, yeah, yeah. like, it's a school yeah, like night and all that. How you even mad at that? <laughs> yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like, yo, listen, because I'm, I'm totally transparent with my daughter when it comes to school. I told her, like, yo, that shit that you learned in high school was some bullshit. I ain't going to lie to you. <laughs> but you got to get your grades. You got to make sure you pass. But listen, once you graduate, you don't got to worry about that shit no more. You don't got to go to college because, I mean, this is not – it's not that type of household. It's not 2001. Like, we're not the parents that's going to pressure you to get into college and all that other shit. Like, you literally owned your own business at 15 years old. Like, there's not too many college graduates that can say that. So, nah, yeah. um, we're we not tripping on that. So, her being up at 11, 12 o'clock at night some nights to do her business, like, I couldn't be prouder. I dead ass say, you know, just make sure you turn the light off when you're done. I don't be like, oh, make sure you go to bed. Nah, for what? These are the hours that I wish I had. <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. when I was 15, I was up. I was doing MySpace pages back when the full layout things was happening. When everybody was doing, like, the copy and paste shit, I was literally piecing together HTML to click your top 20 or top 8 to go to this and go to that. I was doing the HTML until 7 in the morning on a school night. You feel me? No sleep at all. Going to school, flunking, of course. And then... <laughs> And then going on the block and making cheese. You feel me? So it's like coming from that background and knowing that the success that I've garnered do, going against the grain, I'm not going to be one of those parents that's going to shame my daughter if she don't have the super highest marks in high school. If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. At participating McDonald's. Because at the end of the day, real life experience is going to trump all of that shit. I just don't want you to look like a total dummy on the transcript. That's all. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, I, I dropped out. I dropped out of high school. So, you know, as far as my standard or whatever, as far as scholastic, it's not super high because I want you to gain real life experience. And I also want you to learn real shit. Like, the shit that they telling you in school is cool. You know what I'm saying? It's not total bullshit. But it's like 65% bullshit. Like, it's the absolute majority of the shit is bullshit. And I'd rather you learn the same way I learned from the guys yelling on 125th Street. You know what I'm saying? Or for the people that for the people that have their own books, their own curriculums and courses and stuff like that, I'd rather you learn that way and, and, and save so much money 
uh, when it comes to versus college and taking those, you know, thousand dollar classes, buying five hundred dollars in books that not even worth that much money and all that other shit when he's trying to sell it back. So it's like all of that. And like mm-hmm. for me, my college experience comes from me just finessing fast food checks. Like that's all I literally did. I started like I go to school first 30 days, wait for to get my check, drop out do it the next semester. You feel me? That's what I did. That's what I went to college for, <laughs> for the checks, B. Like, I'm not going to lie. Like, I racked up student loan debt literally to spend it. I did not go to class after the 30th day. After the check drop, I was good. I went to, like, four or five different colleges across the United States, online and offline, <laughs> just to get in the debt or whatever. And I don't regret it either, man. I spent it wisely. I ain't going to lie. Some of that money still circulating. You know? yeah, but that, that, that's all yeah. that matters. Hey, at least you ain't fucking off. That's, that's cool, though. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, yeah, man. But so that that's Nella Bella collection. She sells lip gloss and other cosmetics. Um, hey, and shout I'm out to proud. your daughter, man. Y'all definitely go check that out. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So that's three businesses under one roof. And then, you know, outside of that is just my assets and stuff like that. And, you know, I got private equity and a hemp farm in Montana. I also um, have co-founder of Hotep Nation, which has, you know, equity in certain things. Like, I don't know if, uh, I don't know if it's Hotep that got uh, equity in it or if it's just my man, but Coinbits app. Yeah, I've heard of that. All right, so y'all know Acorn. I've heard of it. Yeah, yeah. So if you know about Acorns, it's the same thing, but yeah. just with Bitcoin. You feel me? So, it, oh, you know, word. your lunches. Yeah, yeah, your lunch is eight fifty. You know, fifty cent. Uh, uh, they'll you know charge you nine dollars, and the fifty cent goes to buying Bitcoin. You see what I'm saying? We got equity in that, I believe. I, you know, don't quote me on that. <laughs> but yeah, so that's where it is right now. Um, and then I am expanding so deep to basically um, master and take control of the entire supply chain instead of just getting um goods from suppliers. So I'll be literally growing my own hemp to make my own hemp fiber to make my own hemp clothing or hemp, you know, accessories. Same thing as flax. Uh, same thing for flax, cotton, and things of that nature. And then this new piece of technology that I won't share on the timeline or on the podcast just because, you know, there's a bunch of rich people that listen to me and I don't want them to undercut my idea. <laughs> However, it's, it's literally going to streamline the way clothing is made, you feel me, in, in a major way. So I'm tapping into all of that. That's a, a multi-million dollar project that I'm literally writing the pitch deck for now. I've been writing it for a little bit because uh-huh, I want to make sure it's, it's bright and tight because this is going to be the biggest, you know, crowdfund that I've ever done. So I'm super excited for that. And then I'll be going to the Black Renaissance, uh, Black Wealth Renaissance group to see if you guys want equity in so deep. Like, this is a serious thing. I want to be the change that I want to see that, when I tell people, yo, invest, 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 they can actually invest in my business. You know what I'm saying? And that's the reason why when I do talk about investment clubs, I always talk about the Black Sea Group, uh, Clutch Capital Group. Those are two Black-owned investment clubs in, that you can literally, as consumers, invest in with them. I know Black Sea Group is $50 minimum, and I think uh, Clutch Capital is $10,000 minimum. Mm-hmm. Uh, but still, like you're, you'll have equity in cash flowing assets what you got jared oh no i was just about to say so that's okay we got a we got a recap of kind of like the businesses and how he got started what got you as far as the idea of like the affiliates and getting other people involved in your business um, and like how you can help the other people get bread 
delegation and flexing. Uh, <laughs> um, and I and I and I'm, I say that tongue in cheek, but it it really was. Um, it was something that I seen that could not only help my business but help other people. You know, there was a bunch of people like, oh, how do I start my business? You know, do I register this? And how, you know, what are the ups and downs and pros and cons of starting businesses and stuff like that? I'm like, yo, listen, if you don't know what to do, um, if you don't know where to start as far as, you know, running your own business, just sell for me. You know what I'm saying? Be- become an affiliate and you'll be able to actually get some real life experience as far as, you know, doing sales for a business. Sales is a huge skill that young people need to have, especially. So if you become an affiliate, you get to test your chops with writing copy. You'll get to test your chops with being able to motivate people to buy things from you. You know what I'm saying? I've been doing that ever since I told you, since I was 12, 13 years old. So I'm pretty good at it. You know what I'm saying? So it gives an opportunity to make free money. It was one of the things that I, when I first opened up the affiliate program, it was in 2018, I want to say. Yeah, this would be two years that I've had it now. And the way I advertise it is like, when I'm on the timeline telling people to buy my soap and then the next tweet I'm telling people to stop buying unnecessary shit, people was like, yo, how are you going to tell people to buy your luxury soap and then tell them to save their save they money and stop buying frivolously? And that was my answer. I'm like, yo, listen, you don't have to buy anything from me. You yeah. can actually sell this shit and then use your profits to buy Lowland Doe. At least you zeroed out your expenses for Lowland Doe. You feel me? And I took that with every product that I have, every product, every sock that I have, every soap that I have, every ebook, every everything that I have has an affiliate program attached to it because I am not a selfish person. It is much more fun to get rich with a bunch of people than to be the only man in town with a bunch of money. That's how you get robbed. That's how you get killed. So when I'm sharing the wealth, I'm giving you 10% of my business's revenue. You can't show me not one Billion dollar company, million dollar company that's giving you 10% of their revenue on every set that you bring in. You can't, can't show me that. So based upon those numbers alone, and that's just where it starts at. If you make a certain amount, I, I share up to 25%. Facts. You know what I'm saying? So deep, it starts at 20%. It just, it starts at 20%. Uh, my eBooks, they start at 50%. Well, they stay at 50%. That's half. You're not getting more than half. You know what I'm saying? But I'm giving you half my cheese. You know what I'm saying? Because I want you to get some money. I tell people that all the time. Like when people be, you know, some of my friends who have a following, it don't have to be huge, but they have a following. They on Instagram, they on Twitter, and they be on a time when talking about, oh man, all I need is $200. All I need is $100. I'm like, nigga, sell some shit. Like sell, I use at least two dozen products you can sell of mine alone that'll get you some cheese. So like, I, that's where, so I don't know if y'all just read my timeline or whatever. This is where the lack of sympathy for poor people in America gets me. Because I've literally created opportunity for y'all to make money for free. Sign up with, for my affiliate program. Tap in with me. Ask me some good, you know, um, some questions about, you know, product photos or how to get started with the dashboard and all that other stuff. I get you started and sell. Sell. No different than the tweet that you was going to tweet all day anyway. You might as well make money on the timeline. See me, I sell things on Twitter. I have Twitter in my portfolio. So Twitter pays me regardless. Mm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And then I trade Twitter options. Now I told you that was my biggest trade to date was yeah. a Twitter trade. You see what I'm saying? So three elements of me getting paid on Twitter. And here you are on my timeline. You're supposed to be my homie. And you're talking about how you ain't got no money. I look crazy now. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like what kind of friend am I 
if I can't help you out. You yeah. see what I'm saying? So that's where affiliate program comes in. It's like it allows you to be an entrepreneur without putting no money up. It allows you to get your sales experience without having to put no money up. It's all profit. It's literally all profit. So when people ask me, how can you tell people to buy your, because I have a $600 bottle of soap on my website. Like, how can you tell people to buy that? I'm like, because they get $60 every time somebody buys it from them. That's why. And if they sell more of them, they get 20%, 25%. And they get paid the first of the month, right when the rent due. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's people that I've helped pay rent every month. And I don't, I don't even have an official payroll outside of my children yet. You know what I'm saying? So that's where I'm at with affiliate marketing. If you broke, if you ain't got no cheese, find your local entrepreneur that's on the timeline or your local homie who got up store, tell him to open up an affiliate program and y'all can start selling that shit together. And that way, the affiliate program does all the math. Y'all ain't got to worry about who splits what. It does it all. Input it, and it does it all by itself. And all you got to do is just make good on what you what they owe. That's it. On the first of every month, that's what I do. This person made me X amount of money, so here's the 10% or the 15% or the 20% or the 50% or whatever, and then that's it. Shit, Gumroad, where I sell Stop Being Poor, uh, my eBooks, they automatically do. They pay you. They pay me. They pay you. They pay the percentage and all of that automatically. I don't got to do nothing. My other affiliate programs, I got to manually pay you through PayPal. But still, it's still coming in first of the month. As soon as you wake up, it's there every first of the month. I just paid. Um, think about it was a light week. I wasn't doing too much promoting. And I guess that, you know, I'm the energy. So if I wasn't doing too much promoting, they wasn't going to do too much promoting. Mm-hmm. So I only, I only paid out about $200 for September. But that's, you know, in total... 10% of what they made me, you know what I'm saying? So there you go. So that's what affiliate marketing is for, man. You know, I like that, man. That's a good approach just to get your uh, product pushed. Yeah. And it's like, yo, it extends. Like if you guys know, like y'all, if it's like a Sodi socks, if y'all know a local store that wants to buy wholesale from us, y'all still get 10, y'all get 20% on that deal. Every time they buy from me, just from setting it up. So if y'all know any local clothing stores that want that, you know, that goes through the site and they want to buy from me wholesale, y'all get y'all get an affiliate um fee for that, man. Like that's what I got. Like it's so much easier to spread the wealth. That's what I learned from the block. That's what I learned from the niggas who was actually like selling keys and all of that shit. You feed niggas, you you put them on, then you take care of them, and they'll take care of you. Yeah, that, you know and what that, that's important because like the real gangsters, that's what they did for their communities, bro. Like the people that. People really call gangsters. They really took care of their community, redistributed what they was making, man. Yes, son. Like that was one of the reasons why Boosie, like, it took so long for them to convict Boosie because none of them, nobody in his neighborhood wanted to snitch on him. It's like, nigga, he paid my bills for all year. You see what I'm saying? Like, when you take care of people, they take care of you. It's just that you gotta know who you're taking care of because you don't want to be like incubating a snake. You don't want to yeah. be doing that, but you want to make sure that. If you got somebody that's riding for you, you got to make sure that they know that they're appreciated, man. How they going to know that you appreciate them if everything that you do is selfish? You ain't looking out for them. Every time there's a new move or there's new something going on, you don't even bring them up. That's why whenever I'm on podcasts, I bring all my homies with me. You hear me say their names, Ali, Carl, my homie this, my homie that. I bring them with me every time. So if it ever comes down to it, when let the record show that they'll always put them on. Doe always was putting on for his people. Doe was always throwing Hotep and screaming Hotep because, you know, 
I'm putting on for everybody. You feel me? I'm putting on for everybody that I care about because at the end of the day, we all going to get rich. Everybody doing their own part. You see what I'm saying? Like, I started with $100. You know what's going to be crazy when I come through with trading options at six and seven figures? Like, when I put six figures up and get eight back, <clears throat> if I could turn 100 if I could turn hundred dollars into five thousand in two months, would you think I could turn six hundred thousand dollars or five hundred thousand dollars in? You see what I'm saying? And that's all for my man's. My man's. He's an options trader. I learned from him. My man's. He he has property, so I just invested in this portfolio. My man's. He runs crypto, a hedge fund, so I put my money in this crypto hedge fund. These are my people. These are my friends. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So it's your like net worth. It's your net worth, bro. Yeah, like for right. real, bro. One of these days, people gonna realize it for real. Yo, hey, man, I saw the shirt, bro. This is what it's about, bro. Collaboration. Facts. Oof. Facts. Facts, man. Like that, and that's what I'm trying to tell niggas. Like, dog, I don't have to learn all of that shit. So and I don't gotta learn, I don't gotta read nothing about real estate. All I gotta do is holler at my man who's already in real estate. He's already making good cheese in real estate. Like, yo, here's twenty-five thousand. What are we doing? All I gotta do is go to my crypto guy and be like, yo, here's five thousand. This is what we're doing. All I gotta do is go to my guy who has this asset class, and we're just going to do it this way. And then when it comes down to doing my shit, entrepreneurship, e-commerce, investing in index funds, mutual funds, like that, those are my areas of expertise and stuff like that. Then they come to me, like, yo, which ETFs and all of that have got the best dividends and da 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 We go into that. So now everybody is doing their part. Everybody is making sure that we, we hold it our own weight. You see what I'm saying? I'm a great salesman, so I'm able to put on, I got a whole thread of where I affiliate for a bunch of people and their in their info products, you feel me? So it's like at the end of the day, we all put our skills at the table and we create our own, man. That's the mantra for 2020, man. Create your own. Hey, for real, bro. And hey, that's powerful. Like that it just speaks to how you can work to with somebody and work with a group and just go so much further, bro. And I like how you say, you know, you don't have to you don't have to learn that skill. Your man's know it. Like, I was just telling, uh, we were just talking about that the other day. It was just like, if we want something done, we don't have to sit there and learn the skill. We can just outsource scale and just keep on moving. Yeah, just hire somebody. A lot of people be scared of that shit because they may not have no money up front. That's why I get them with the affiliate program. Like, listen, I don't got no money to pay you right now. However, at the point of completion, if this goes, if you, you know, rock with me and you give me your services or you offer your services, I'll put you down for 25% revenue from all of the links that you put out, something like that, to make sure I pay you back. Or we can barter. You know, we can work something out. People be too scared. Like, listen, if you ain't got the money to pay, give something. Offer something. If I can't pay you, I'm, let me do some financial consultations for you. You know what I'm saying? Like, yo, let me, we'll do our, our call uh, every week for the next two months. And we'll make sure we get your finances in order. And I'll do that for you for free if you make me a logo. Or if you do this for me. Like, money is not the only thing. I was telling people that in my email, like, money is honestly the last piece of wealth, though. You got to start with your mind. You got to make sure you got a nice skill. So you got to make sure that you actually have a money-making skill, whether it be a certification, a skill that actually makes money in the 21st century and beyond. Then, once you have that knowledge and all of that, then you can barter that for other people, and then the money comes. But by the time the money comes, you already got your wealth mindset, you already got your wealth skills, and you already got your wealth network. So it just works out that way. Hey, that was a great breakdown. Damn. <laughs> I never really thought of it. Like, me neither. You know, people invite me for a reason, man. I, I can't be just, you know, 
And I come here and show why you invite me to pop. <laughs> I even, I also want to piggyback off that, like, a little bit. One portion of what you said in there, like, with hiring people and, you know, making sure. I, I feel like that is part of why our community struggles with certain concepts of entrepreneurship. Like, we don't understand that it's literally necessary for you not to try to do everything so that you can turn around and hire other people to do stuff so that we can create an economy. Like, but people want to do everything because, like you said before, either they're low on money or, you know, they just, they, they figure that's a way to be cheaper about it or stuff like that. But you end up hurting the economy that you're trying to create and you end up hurting yourself by doing that because you end up wasting a lot of time and not coming out with as good of a product by somebody that legitimately does this. Like, I said I was going to learn options. I'm going to read the book so that I know what I'm doing. But at the same time, like, I'm going to go get Carl's uh, signals. You know what I'm saying? I'm not about to go try to do this all on my own, just hopping out like that. No, I'm going to go to the man that's literally, like you said, an oracle and get his advice. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I hope I hope y'all don't think that I'm, <laughs> like, making my own place. I just can. Like, <laughs> I only do what Carl tell me to do. <laughs> like, I don't be, like, I, you know, I take my own risks and my own chances like that, but like, I go right to the playroom, like, you know, the play chat, and I look at the plays, and I'm like, okay, this is what it's looking like. This is what I can get into. This is what I'm going to buy into, blah, blah, blah. Like, I let Carl do all of that. That's what he's good at. You're exactly right. I don't have to go out my way to look for companies or none of that. And some, I ain't going to lie. Sometimes it just be a rotation of the same six companies. It's just that we've been tracking them or he's been tracking them for this long that we could kind of predict what it's going to do. And then based upon those predictions and based upon, you know, history and performance and stuff like that, he has these pinpoint accurate plays and target prices. And it's so crazy because he still doesn't give himself enough credit or he gives himself enough room to be correct. But he'll say the target price is from four to six weeks from now and it should have hit the next day. <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? So it's like, it's $39 right now. I think it's going to hit $44 in the next four to six weeks, and it'll be at $43.50 the next day. And if you, you, know get, you get just cash out? Yeah. Yeah, because yeah. I was just watching a video on it, too. I'm trying to learn. Yeah, yeah. So exactly, the time decay and what you're talking about. So the expiration yeah. date on the contract, and I'm not about to get too technical with it or whatever, but pretty much, like, just to say that, Oh, it's perfect. BWR is at $100 per share. And based upon our guidance, we believe that BWR is going to hit uh, $110 within the next four weeks. And then the next day or that trading day, y'all hit $106. And you already had, you had, you bought this contract when it was at $100 and it goes up to 106 You could cash out right then and there if you want to. You feel me? Especially if you bought more than one contract. That way you can at least sell back the money that you put up and not all you're doing is playing with house money. You're just playing with profits, you feel me? So that's that's what, you know, you're able to do when Carl is hitting shit out of the park like that. You're like, oh, shit, I can take my profits and let the rest ride. I took my profits at $106 on BWR, and now I'm going to let um, the rest of my position float into 110 So just in case, worst-case scenario, it drops down to $99 and my shit expires worthless, I at least have my money. I got my money back from what I put up. I didn't lose nothing. I'm just playing with house money. Now, if it keeps continuing to go to 110 and because Carl is the Oracle, this shit hit 115, one, you know what I'm saying, all of that, now we g up even more. 
and that's what this is honestly what the first two months of options game was for me that he was over like the games were exceeding what he was even saying and we was just killing it that way so you know that's where we're at with it when it comes to options trading man like that's where we're at when it comes to everybody having their own defined skill and then paying each other to make it happen you know that whole one man thing i'm self-made and all that shit i don't get off on that i don't like you know i'm good at what i'm good at i got rich or getting rich rather um, or for what I'm good at. However, like, no, I didn't do this shit by myself. I just told you my homie is literally managing my crypto. I can't answer not one question about crypto. All I know is that I gave that man $300, and now that shit is sitting at $6,000. Yeah, I don't know what he did. To know. Yeah, yeah, I'm saying I don't know what he did. You know what I'm saying? I just know that he trades crypto, and he's great at it. He has a team of traders who trades it, and I just pay him a, a fucking fee to manage it. That's it. That's all I care about. I don't care, you know what I'm saying? If I ever want to know the intricacies of what crypto trading is and all of that, we can get into that. I can go to, you know, go to him and talk to him about that. But he's good at that, so that's what he does. You know what I'm saying? So that's what it is, man. Yeah, definitely. Always, always teamwork make the dream work. Collaboration over competition. That's that's the way, that's the move. Facts. I'm, I'm rocking yeah. with that, man. I'm rocking with that whole mantra right there, man. Especially because... We're going to send you that shirt then, bro. All right, yeah, yeah, do that. Yeah, we got yeah, you, we, yeah. That's part of I'm our... Say, man, that's that's our new collection that we just uh, dropped. I think that's one of the first shirts that came in, huh? Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, this is uh, our collaboration of a competition tee. So y'all definitely be on the lookout for that. I look at... I bet, because I saw the Renaissance Man join. I was like, oh, that's fire, fire. I wanted because I I couldn't choose between the money tree one and that one. I was like, yeah, right, I'm gonna get the Renaissance Man joint just because I know I, I could get that off. You know what I'm saying? That shit look fire. But yeah, that yo, oh, and that form, that's fire. That is fire. That was some professional ass shit right there. I felt like, okay, okay, hey, appreciate <laughs> it's it, bro. <laughs> they got everything. Appreciate <laughs> it, bro. <laughs> that form was lit. You know what I mean? So yeah, man, this this is a great great operation y'all got here, man. Like, I, I love when, because it was just like that when the main uh, mindset I love when I feel like we ain't talking about nothing, and then everybody be hitting me like, yo, you, this is a classic. This is gems. I was like, yo, man, me and them was just shooting this shit. I forgot what was easy talking about. Like, we just having a good time. You feel me? Like, yeah, that time when you was ranting about Black Lives Matter, like, oh, I did? <laughs> I thought we was talking about options trade. Like, yeah, you was talking about Malik Shabazz. And you was, I was like, damn, I didn't know we went that deep. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That's funny, bro. Yeah, yeah man, I definitely, uh, we definitely yeah, appreciate, we appreciate it. And we definitely those. rock with you. That's, that's sincere from the team, bro. All right, man, for sure, man. Yo, man, like, like I said, man, I, when I, uh, I hope I ain't cut nobody off, but um, when I like I meant that when I said that, man, that I, you know I look at people like y'all, man. I, I probably said it before the show started or whatever, but it's like history is going to be kind to us. Like we are all on the right side of history right now, fellas. We are going to be the people that they laud and they praise and they uh you know write stories about, make movies about fifty years from now because of the groundwork that we put in. See, a lot of people don't realize that in 1950s and 1960s, that was the latest and greatest of technology that they had. Who needs an alarm in the morning when McDonald's has sausage, egg, and cheese McGriddles and a breakfast cut off? Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. 
just like how we got now, 50 years from now, it's going to be even crazier. So they're going to look at this era that we're in. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, um, think about it like when you was a kid and you saw like black and white movies. It's like, yo, did everybody look black and white back in the day? You know what I'm saying? Like, of course they didn't, but because you're viewing that era through black and white, you think that's what it was. So when 4K looks like how PS2 looks like now, like when HDTV's T8, the 1080p looks grainy to us, because it's like, yo, technology has advanced so far, they're going to look at, yo, the black renaissance, the black wealth renaissance, you know, brand that company started with, you know, four guys in college and it grew to them being now they're in their 50s and 60s and now they're all multi-billionaires and they just had a podcast and all that other shit. You know what I'm saying? That, that we're going to be the dudes on Wikipedia. We're going to be the dudes that they write biographies about. We're going to be the dudes in the libraries. We're going to be the dudes that they write book hit, book reports about. You know what I'm saying? And, and it's going to be so dope because our backgrounds is super organic. Like, my name, Doe Dudes, is everywhere. Like, they're literally professionals who call me Doe Dudes. You feel me? So that's going to be in the history books. You see what I'm saying? Like, all of that stuff that I've been doing with Hotel, all of the stuff that we've been doing with Wealth Building these past few years, all of this stuff, like Black American Inc. We wrote our own history book. Black American Inc. is my, my testament to the times that I wrote that in. So when 50 years from now, when they go back and read my book, just like they read Booker T. Washington, just like they read W.E.B. Du Bois, they gonna be like, oh, this was how it is in America for black people in 2016. They not gonna be like, oh, cause that's gonna be the thing. That's gonna be the problem for them in trying to shape that narrative like they did for the civil rights movement is that there's gonna be too many people who wrote their own books during that time. So it's like, yo, how is it that this man is in the middle of the hood in Philly, and he wrote this book, but you, suburban dweebs, was talking about how oppressed everybody else was. You know what I'm saying? How is he writing books about building wealth um, from zero? You know, how is he talking about options trading? How is he talking about investing? How is he talking about all this other stuff? And y'all was talking about how the white man had his boot on y'all neck. It's going to be conflicting. It's not going to be as easy. Because if y'all know this, yo, and I'm not making light of it, I, I love my ancestors, I praise them every day, but if y'all notice, the footage is very limited. And it's not like they had a shortage of cameras and film. But you see the same scenes. If you think back, think back to the Hosings and the German Shepherds. It's like 10 clips that y'all just keep playing in your head. It's yeah, not telling you. something. You know what I'm saying? It's the same thing. Because that for that time, that's all the clips you needed to put on the TV to show what was going down. A lot of people think that those clips were created by white people who love to see black people going in pain. That's like saying CNN loves to see black people going in pain. It's just that they just show, I mean, I, they kind of do, but they're just showcasing what's going on. And the news has always been showcasing things that was extraordinary, that was out of the ordinary. And that's the reason why they only have that same stock footage of the same bombings, I mean, excuse me, the same hosings and stuff like that, because it didn't happen like that. I know it's, it's crazy to hear, and we so far going from it that, it's much easier for us to just be like, oh, everybody was 100% oppressed at that time. But you know how I many people didn't go to the march on Washington and stayed their ass home and went to work? Same people that was looking at that shit on TV like, man, I ain't going to no damn watch. I got work in the morning. Yeah, Martin Luther King. Because, you know, Martin and them, they was in their 20s. They was young. They was college kids. You see what I'm saying? It's the same thing. They looking at them like, man, these kids out here marching in the street. I got to get my money. You see what I'm saying? And this is a generation right after the one of the best economic booms in black American history since the ending of slavery. You see what I'm saying? Like one generation after slavery, they created towns, two generations, 
They, you know, our nuclear family was crazy. Like it was lit. You see what I'm saying? We had our own infrastructures and all of these things. And then they turned after that, their grandchildren, their spoiled grandchildren who was going to college, they wanted to, you know, sit with white people, eat with white people, have sex with white people, let's just be honest, and all of that. They wanted to intermingle with white people more than they wanted to empower their community. So this is where you get civil rights. And I'm not just going to compartmentalize it and say there was a, a lost mission or a failed mission. I'm just saying that the objectives of that movement wasn't conducive to the grand scheme of what we needed for black America. It just wasn't. Just like today with Black Lives Matter. Is police brutality an issue? 100% it is. Is the way Black Lives Matter handled it correct? No, because it's still going on. You see what I'm saying? Now, if we would have went the Samuel B. Fuller route, and I don't know if y'all know who Samuel B. Fuller is, but Samuel B. Fuller was a Republican black man back in the day. He was an entrepreneur. He was a millionaire, if I'm not mistaken. And he sat with Martin Luther King and he told him like, yo, we boycotted the Montgomery Bus Company, which was an economic move. We've actually got them down to bankruptcy. Like they are literally about to file for bankruptcy. We as black people should pull our money together and buy the bus company. Martin in response said, no, I don't think they're ready for that. I don't think the people are going to be down for that. And instead of buying the company from the racist people that discriminated against us and put us in the back of the bus, we just made sure that they didn't do that anymore. Instead of owning it, controlling it, and creating our own infrastructure around public transportation, we just asked the white man to please don't make us sit in the back of the bus. Instead of owning the motherfucker, and we can sit anywhere on the bus where we wanted to. You see what I'm saying? This is the same dichotomy that we're dealing with in 2019. It is the same thing. It is literally the same thing. We are looking at the social justice side of it, and then we're looking at the economic side of it, and we're seeing which one is the best for us. And the former is dependent on the mercy of another group, the benevolence of another group. I'm not worried about them. I want to make sure that we own the bus company. That's way easier, way more uh, fruitful. Because in that same era, when we were boycotting the bus company, people still had to go to work and school. And they started to make things happen. So guess what black people did? We basically created Uber and Lyft. The people with cars would charge the people without cars to take them to work, take them to school, take them to the grocery store. And we literally had ride sharing in the black community 50, 60 years before Uber was even thought of. Mm-hmm. Now, if we would have owned the bus company, we would have probably kept that going because now we have our foot in the door as far as public transportation. See, opportunity begets more opportunity. Investments, opportunities, it begets more investment opportunities. Prosperity begets more prosperity. When we chose not to be prosperous and just to be civil, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's, that's the problem. Claude Anderson has a quote. He's like, you know, Asians got Asian rights. You know, white people got white rights. You know, the red man got red rights. We got civil rights. And who the hell is civil? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That's what he said. You look up any group in America, they literally have their own laws for them. Hispanics, Asians, Jewish, you know, you name it. They had specific legislation, specific things that they cared about that was catered for black people. They did not need civil rights. They needed Hispanic rights. They needed Asian rights. The first major discriminatory um, immigration law was against the Chinese in 1812. You see what I'm saying? And what the Chinese did to gain traction um, in America was economics. They came to America, 
being picketed, bombed, and all that other stuff. And instead of crying about it, and I'm not saying that's what we did, but instead of, you know, forcing people to accept us, they created a dish that made white people have to accept them. You don't got to like me, but you love my food. So people were literally picketing the store and then going inside to buy chop suey. That, that was the name of the dish. Chop suey, ironically, is a poor Asian's dish. You go to China, you ask for chop suey. That's where the people in the slums eat. It's a bunch of assortment of random scraps of meat and noodles mixed with a bunch of sauce that's really sweet. So it's easy to make for people that don't have a lot of money. That was the hot seller in America. So Asians are literally selling the racist white people that hate them, their scraps. And now Chinese food stores outnumber McDonald's seven to one. You can go anywhere in America right now, in any small town in America, you will find a new wok, a golden pot, or uh, a new whatever. They're going to be, they're going to have a Chinese food store in that area. This is how economics works for your greater good. And this is why we're here. This is why the Black Wealth Renaissance is going to be the Chicago Defender of the 21st century. Chicago Defender was a Black-owned newspaper that reported on everything going on in Black America especially when it came to economics. So this is the responsibility that y'all have to seek out all of the black wealth builders in America to make sure that they're catapulted onto your platform and that they get the proper shine that they get. And I appreciate you guys having me among the, the lineup of people that y'all have because y'all are, y'all are literally telling history as it's happening. They're going to be able to listen to these clips 20 years from now and be like, wow, um, this is Doe Dubes back in, when he was only 29 years old. This is the Black Wolf Renaissance back when it was, you know, only a couple years old. Like, they're going to go back. It's no different than when we go back now and we uncover archives and we uncover the history of people. We're like, yo, that's crazy he was into that. And now we got things like social media where they have, we have time stamped our thoughts. Really? We can go back. Like, all this stuff is being saved in the Library of Congress anyway. So I hope y'all know that. All y'all nudes that y'all post on the timeline, y'all OnlyFans links, all, <laughs> everything that y'all post is being saved into the Library of Congress. So it's being documented. It's being archived as we speak. You see what I'm saying? So y'all should take that in consideration, man. One of the things that, one of the powers that you get when you become a wealth builder is that you get to see into the future. Yeah. You gain foresight that, you, that the average person doesn't get. So this is where I'm at. My mind is literally in 2050. Literally in 2050. Like, my youth and all of that, I'm living it right now, but I'm looking at my child's youth. You know what I'm saying? I'm looking at my child having children. I'm looking at me being retired and a billionaire, multi-billionaire. You see what I'm saying? So if this era can create these many black billionaires, imagine what the next era is going to bring in. The fact that these kids are going to grow up, quote-unquote, privileged. You know what I'm saying? They growing up in, like, if my daddy rich, then what you think I'm going to be? Yeah. yeah. You know what I'm saying? And they, these, all my kids got names and trust, and they got, you know, money that's just waiting for them to access. My godson, I brag about him all the time. He's one year old, and he got assets. You feel yeah, me? One. On his first birthday, his, his godfather bought him assets, man. That's what we do over here. This the new privilege. We create our own privilege over here, man. I don't need... I didn't bait. See, I didn't, see, the thing is, this is where I go back to the racial wealth gap. I don't know about one white person that did that for their one-year-old godson, but I did it. So you're going to tell me because you don't know of a white person that did that, I can't do it? This is what I'm talking about. This is where the racial wealth gap, it falls flat. 
because I did that. No, I, it's literally I can show you my stash account. I, I have a custodial account for my godson. That's fine. So That's cool. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's like, you know, but um hey, I like I said, like this, this is what happens. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's gonna be lit. But yeah, though, my brother, we definitely appreciate you coming on the podcast. We gonna go ahead, yeah, we're gonna wrap up. This episode, could you tell the people where they can find you and just keep up with you and follow yeah. you, bro? Yeah, man. Um, it's much, it's so much easier to find me than a lot of other people because I'm only on one platform. I'm only on Twitter, Dodoobs, D O E D O O B S. Shop at uh, lowlandoe.com. That's L O L A A N D D O E.com. Shop at soldeepsocks.com. That's S O L E D E P S O S S O C K S.com. Shop at Nella Bella Collection. That's N E L L A B E L L A Collection.com. Uh, Gumroad.com slash Dodubes. That's where you'll get all my financial literacy. Black America Inc., a trillion dollar nation. That's my very first book. That's on Amazon, available right now in um, Kindle and in physical. Um, Options Gang, Hotep Nation. I mean, <laughs> I'll be here like it's the Grammys, G. Like, just, <laughs> just rock with me. And thank you, man. Shout out to the Black Wealth Renaissance, man. I appreciate y'all. Hey, we, uh, we appreciate, appreciate you, bro. bro. Yeah. And uh, uh, send us over the uh, links via like DM or just text them to Jared. And I'm going to put all of that in the show notes. Y'all can click on that and go see what y'all need from my boy. Hey, and sign us up for the affiliate link too, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I got you. I got you. DM me all y'all emails. And y'all going, I'm going to put y'all on the affiliate link for everything I got, man. We're going to build this economy together, man. I'm, I'm super proud of y'all. I'm blessed to be here. I'm, and I, I'm telling y'all, man, 10 years from now, 5 years from now, 20 years from now, they're going to be singing y'all name, man. They're going to be really putting y'all jerseys in the rafters, B. I'm proud of y'all, man. Hey, bro, we appreciate it, man. That, that means a lot uh, to us, bro. That just keep on giving us that, that fire to keep on going, bro. Real life, real Honestly. Life. Hell man. yeah, man. Hell yeah. We in this house- together, man. Yeah, we're going to get into some, some housekeeping before we wrap up this episode. Man, once again, we want to definitely shout out, though, for coming on, rocking out, banging sure, out this sure. fire episode, man. Uh, we want to also say y'all go to our website, blackwealthrenaissance.com. Y'all can check out all the courses we have available. We're going to throw up those links that uh, Doe just told y'all about so y'all can just easily find those, too. Uh, listen to the podcasts we got featured on the uh, uh, website. Thought I didn't got chipped up, but I'm back at it like a crack at it. (laughs) 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 But nah, man, for y'all, we appreciate everybody uh, rocking with us. Thank y'all. Thank y'all for continuing to the podcast. All the likes, reviews, ratings, they really been going crazy. Uh, Podcasts have been growing like crazy, so y'all, shout out to y'all. Y'all are the shit. Yeah, just just keep yeah, going. Yeah, we appreciate y'all, y'all. We appreciate y'all for really soaking up the game and just constantly just supporting us. Uh, that's it. Uh, shout out to the Patreon too, man. Y'all definitely go mess with the Patreon. What you got, Jed? I was gonna say also, y'all definitely check out the link notes and everything for this episode because by the time this episode comes out, we will more than likely, unless he denies for for some reason, be affiliates for the Options Game, which y'all heard about a lot in this episode. And we will also, I know I'll personally be a member of Option Game by that time. So yeah, I just want to throw that in too. Yeah. Oh yo, one last thing, one last thing. My fault, my fault. Coinbits app, y'all mentioned Patreon. <clears throat> Coinbits app has a creator tab to where y'all can gain donations on their platform and you'll get Bitcoin. So um, if y'all got a Patreon, y'all make sure y'all sign up for Coinbits app and y'all can actually create a creator tab and people can donate 
um, USD and it converts into Bitcoin. Hey, hey, my brother. Cool. Hey, I'm I'm fuck with you. you. <laughs> <laughs> I just want you to know that. Hey, I if anybody ever say something bad about you, I'm gonna slap them. I'm for real. That's what my mom was <laughs> Yo, salute, man. Y'all have a good night, man. <laughs> you too, bro. <laughs> with that being said, though, man, this is Black Girl Renaissance signing out. Peace. Peace. When something happens to your kitchen, you might say, This is ludicrous. But that won't fix your home. That will only get you the rapper, Ludicrous. Having trouble? Don't panic. Don't be alarmed. You need to file a claim? Holla at State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. That's right. You can file a claim on the app or call us. Thanks, Mr. Chris. No matter how ludicrous the situation, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm, Bloomington, Illinois.